tunes and stories from the world of traditional music and fiddling. I'm Megan Beller, and today I'll be bringing you a setting of Fly in the Porter, a jig from a session at the Art House Bar in Baltimore, Maryland. Hello everyone, I hope you are well. Today I'm going to be talking about getting started with improvising. I love to improvise. I improvise a lot, but I never did any improvising growing up. I'm thinking back and trying to remember if I made up my own music or just played music that my teacher or my dad gave me that I heard. No, I never did. I didn't do any improvising. I think this is a real shame. The way kids are educated in music is so different from how they're educated in other creative arts like art or writing, where it's a balance between looking at what other people have made and created and then creating your own stuff. (laughs) I mean, even in language, we don't just say all the things other people say. We're constantly making up our own things to say. In art, people make up their own art, and in writing, people write their own writing. And then somehow in music, it's different. And in the classical world and in the traditional music world, there's a lot of imitation. I don't know. Maybe that sounds kind of harsh. Well, I started thinking about this a lot when I went to work for Alice Kanak. Alice Kanak was a Suzuki teacher, and she trained me. She had been teaching in New York, and she was a, a creative person. I think she had a degree in composition, but she was she was teaching violin lessons. Spent some of her time working on improvising. Basically, I, I think at first it was just a way to make it fun for kids, teach them musical concepts. You know, there's a lot that improvising can work on that's not specifically creative, like it can help your tuning, it can help your tone, But she does tell a story about working with a student who was having a very hard time um, learning and memorizing classical repertoire. But when she would improvise with him, he was just amazing, off the charts, improviser, creative, creator of music. She began to see that, you know, not everybody was strong in both, that, that there were a lot of kids that weren't being served because... They were just expected to learn and imitate and not being coached in creating their own music. But because of the way their brains were wired or, you know, just as a personal thing, they would get a lot more out of the violin or music if they were encouraged to and taught how to make their own. So we would do a lot of improvising with the kids, and I I love it. I have a little group of fiddlers Um, at my kids' school, and we started improv games in the fall, and they could not do them at all. There was fear and a total lack of rhythm and creative ideas, and oh my gosh, I hope they don't listen to this. Uh, But (laughs) there's been a ton of progress just playing games with them, getting them into improvising. It's a completely different story now when um, when we improvise together they're really on top of it. They make things up. They fit it together rhythmically. They play back up to each other. They play in the right key. Just 
instinctively. It's so cool. So that's what improvising can do. Some of the best musicians that I have met, you know, I think it's common with jazz musicians that you'll learn that part of their musical upbringing exploration was a lot of time by themselves kind of making things up that they thought sounded good. But I've met a lot of really incredible classical musicians who also describe that. I mean, Alice Kanak was one of them, but my professor, Lynn Blakesley, she once just told me off the cuff, oh, yeah, I used to just, <laughs> she improvised this thing for me. And I was like, what was that? And she said, oh, I was just making that up. That's how I used to warm up. I would just spend hours making up things that I thought sounded beautiful on the violin. I don't think that was a coincidence that <laughs> she got so good at violin that she was a professor at Eastman. Here's one of the things I got from learning to improvise. I just learned a lot more about how to create the kind of music that I really enjoy and love. Learning that certain chord progressions, certain kinds of melodies were the ones that I really responded to, you know, that there was a recipe for it. It's like knowing your favorite movie director. You don't have to just watch random movies and hope that one of them really speaks to you. You know that if you watch this particular person's movie, that it's probably going to be made in a way that you really like. So when you dabble in music and you're creating with it and you're experimenting with it, you get to know what you like. I think it's really good. I'm not even really talking about playing over chord changes. That's a different thing. It's great to do that. I'm just talking about being creative with music. If you get out your fiddle and you feel a little silly and you're like, where do I start? How do I try to make something up? A lot of kids will start with making up riffs, making up just a little pattern that repeats that they like the sound of. My oldest child used to do that all the time. Just pick up the violin, pick up a little riff, a little repeating melody, play it a few times, play around with that. I play a game called Questions and Answers, and you can even play this with yourself or with somebody else. One person plays a few notes, bum, 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 and the other person makes up a little answer, bum, 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 and you can go back and forth, and I'll play that, I'll call it Questions and Answers, with adults and with kids, just musically going back and forth, and eventually as we get to longer phrases and we do more styles, like do it in a jig style, in a 6-8 rhythm, then I'll have them start making up their own tunes. I mean, an A part is just a question and an answer, and the second half is like the same question with a different answer. It's a kind of a way into that. Questions and answers. So try some improvising. It's just exploring. You can close the door. Nobody has to hear. Try it out. Our tune for today is a setting of Fly in the Porter. This is a jig from an Irish session at the Art House Bar in Baltimore, Maryland. It's a jig by Patty O'Brien. I did another Patty O'Brien tune. Patty O'Brien was a BC accordion player. Oh yeah, Patty had written the tune Ginny O'Brien's for his father. 
we play a lot of Patty O'Brien tunes at this session because there's an accordion player, Billy McComsky, who comes to the session. He lives in Baltimore. He's pretty famous Irish accordion player and a really nice, friendly guy. And pretty often he will come by the session and play. And when he does, (laughs) we play a lot of, yeah, accordion-centric Irish tunes. So I'm trying to learn them so I can I can keep up with that. Billy McComsky was taught by Sean McGlynn, who played in the East Galway style and won All-Ireland competitions all through the 70s and 80s. His sons will come too, and they play accordion. And it's funny to see Billy and his sons, and they all have kind of similar accordions with a similar strap, and they hold it like at the same angle. (laughs) So if they're all sitting next to each other, it's like all these strap and angled accordion. And then they play, you know, the body language of their playing and the rhythm is so similar because they played together for so many years. I could just sort of sit there and watch Billy play accordion with his sons all day. Billy is pretty funny. If he, if he sees me, um, (laughs) I'm trying to learn these tunes so I can play with him. If he sees me just sitting and I don't know a tune and I'm spacing out, I'm not trying to learn it, he'll like pick up his phone and wave it at me because he wants me to record it and go home and learn it. Of course, Charlie always records the sessions, so this might just be in my head, but I think it can be good manners to take your phone out if it's an unfamiliar tune and, you know, you open voice memo, you put it on the table and you record it. It's nice if you're playing a tune when you're like, ooh, this is a good tune. I'm sounding good on this, but not many people know it. But if they're recording it, you're like, oh, but they really like, they like the way I'm playing it and they want to go home and learn it. So it's kind of a compliment. So maybe I'm offending Billy when I'm not doing that. He's like, you need to work on these tunes. So here I am with a podcast, working on these tunes. Patty O'Brien tune. I think there's another Patty O'Brien tune I'm going to do in March also, because they're all pulled from the same accordion Irish session. Anyway, if you go look at Fly in the Porter on the session, there's some discussion about permission. I guess somebody recorded it and called it traditional. That stuff is a little tricky in the folk music world. A lot of times... I guess it's because none of us really make a lot of money in folk music. We don't necessarily pay royalties. You know, just informal permission is usually all you need to record somebody's tune. Unless it's a real moneymaker, I think certainly Ashokan Farewell was a whole different kettle of fish for Jay Unger, who I think wanted it to be more like most of folk music where it's just freely distributed for education purposes or it's nice if somebody asks permission to record it but you don't necessarily sell that right but um he was kind of tied up with a company and trying to control the rights to a show can farewell because it was so famous there's a so there's a little bit of a a back and forth i think the person who recorded it and didn't attribute it like wrote an apology and posted it on the session, all this stuff. I was reading through it. But we're going to play Fly in the Porter. Yeah, this jig in D. ¶¶ 
listening, you can head over to fiddlestudio.com to find sheet music for this tune and more information about becoming a member of Fiddle Studio. I'll be back next time with another tune for you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.